You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers post-game win. Been a little bit crocky, month and a half or so since mid-September. The 49ers, for the first time in five weeks, have come up with a victory, ending a four-game skid, three and four now on the season after beating the Bears in Chicago 33-22 and taking control of the game in the second half. Uh, the 49ers now 3-1 and one on the road, 0-3 at home so far this season. So they've got, got some work to do, still got to win some home games, and still got to get back in this, if not even the NFC West race, just the, the playoff race in the NFC, at BD Peacock on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker, multiple other podcasts and things we're doing. You can find Crocky over on a rebranded Croc Talk TV, Frontline Sports going on, a facility being built over there in Arkansas for Crocky. Uh, you can also find Croc on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast daily, and I'm daily here on the network on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, breaking down all the teams and all the games, but today we're talking 49ers football and a win and to me crock can we talk about the turning point of this football game and there's a lot to get into 49ers passing game running game defensive side of the ball uh, how the bears looked under justin fields without matt Nagy. who um if i'm the bears owner i probably fire matt Nagy before he can come back from covid and ruin <laughs> things again because they looked okay right like i think that was a formidable yeah. opponent for the 49ers, and I think the Bears looked better, especially Justin Fields maybe, looked better than I had seen really that team most of the season. Yeah, it felt like the 49ers, they weren't, I, I thought they would send more pressure at him, blitz him more, make him more uncomfortable, but I'm assuming Demico Ryans and the guys thought that the front four could get to Fields and they could just drop, you know, uh, seven or eight in coverage, but that wasn't the case. They weren't really just getting home and and uh, Fields was really comfortable and complete. He was he was taking what the 49ers were giving him. And I thought for the most part, he looked comfortable, a lot more comfortable than I would have liked to see him. Right. And yeah, they did end up getting home a little bit. It was a very bend, don't break defense and a, and a scheme that was like, OK, Justin Fields, you're not going to beat us deep with the big throws. He did end up attempting a couple of them to Darnell Mooney, and they were incomplete. And I think that was a big story of this game. And the, the last one sealed it with that interception. He tried to hit. Um, his guy deep, and it did go off of uh, Mooney's hands there on that interception by Josh Norman to seal the game for the 49ers, but really was Ben, don't break. It's like, okay, take, it was like, you want to be Tom Brady and you want to be Drew Brees and just death by 10,000 paper cuts and march down the field every time and find your open hook zones and, and run the football against us. We think we could beat you playing that way. And it was got a little worrisome there for most of the first half and maybe into the second half. It's like, okay, the 49ers... Might not win this way, but in the end, they they did it, and it was mostly because the offense was able to handle their side of the ball right and put up thirty three points. Yeah, you know the offense; they definitely did their their job, and the defense. It, it was tough. It was just a, a weird outing. They gave up like one hundred and seventy something rushing yards. Obviously, Justin Fields had over a hundred, and this is the first time Forty ers have this uh, reputation of struggling against mobile quarterbacks. But so far this year. I thought they've been pretty good against mobile quarterbacks and really kind of containing them and not really getting gashed on the ground. But this game, they definitely lost containment more than you would like from Fields. And I think some of the plays that he made were just the benefits of having a mobile quarterback. Now, he had the touchdown run. That was a crazy play. That <laughs> Which was 
I hear everybody's frustrations. Eric Armstead has to make that play, and he does. You, you pay Eric Armstead a lot of money to make a play like that. You got to tack, tackle the backfield on fourth down. You got him dead right there. Game should be over there. Justin Fields, though, he is a special talent himself. And sometimes special athletes make special plays. And that was what he did. So I know a lot of people are really upset with Armstead there, but I'm looking at him like, man, that's why, you know, he was just the prospect that everybody thought he was. He is a special talent at the quarterback position, a special athlete, and he put on display there. But, uh, yeah, the 49ers offense was able to make enough plays to kind of really hold off the Bears from being able to win this game. And no play was probably bigger than the Debo Samuel screenplay. You talked about turning point. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the biggest turning point in that game where Debo took that screen and took it like 80 yards. That's where I wanted to go. The Debo Samuel long run that looked like it was a touchdown run. It ended up being a yard short. And for a second, I thought, okay, they're, he's going to be a yard short and they're going to have to end up kicking a field goal here, aren't they? But they were able to get it in. And we'll talk a little bit more about Jimmy G plunging it into the end zone there. But that was the play of the game for the 49ers because that sparked them. And I felt like they really took over the game there, got the momentum in the second half, and then really went and, and, and won that football game. And it turned into sort of a business trip, as it should be for the 49ers, because they're a better team than the Bears. They should go in and beat the Bears, even though it's on the road in Chicago. And that's exactly what they did. And I think the Debo Samuel play was the big turning point in that game and took the momentum for the 49ers, and they ran with it the rest of the way. Yeah, that was a big-time play, man. Shout-out to Debo. And, you know, Debo early on in that game, he had a couple of drops. And I know a lot of people, oh, man, you got the drops. But I've always said it, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a receiver, even if it's a defender that misses some tackles, right? If you're going to give up, you know, some plays or, or maybe have some things not go your way, have a couple of drops, if you are a playmaker, I can live with that. So you can't be a quarterback that misses throws, but then it's like, well, you never do anything to, to – play above expectation, right? Debo Samuel, he'll have a couple drops, but when you're capable of outrunning an entire defense and, and taking a screen 80 yards when there really wasn't any space to really do it, he got up out of there and you saw the acceleration and him blow by the defenders. Debo is a special talent on the offensive side of the ball and he's able to make these plays. So I can live with a couple drops. Obviously, you don't want those things to cost you the game, but you know he can make up with it with plays like that. So Debo can drop whatever. I mean, I think he's leading the league and drops right now. I don't care. He's also leading the NFL in receiving yards because of his special ability. Yeah. And where would the offense be right now without Debo Samuel? So huge plays by him and they really needed that one. It was funny watching Muhammad Sanu run down the field with him because Muhammad Sanu wanted to throw a block at the end and might've been able to throw a block to, to put him into the end zone, but Sanu couldn't catch up to the defenders that he was trying to block. It was really funny. <laughs> uh, the guy on the inside, number 22, I think I can't remember who he's trying to block there. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm not going to get to this guy. Let me, oh shoot. There's someone catching Debo on the sideline. Let me go over here. I'm not going to get there either. And unfortunately um, Debo couldn't get that one last, block to spring him or just uh, outrun everybody to the end zone and look Debo's got a lot of speed maybe not you know sprinter speed not top speedy to get caught from behind on that play but I mean just making a huge play and again that's a screen pass that wasn't like a downfield 80 yard bomb that was a here Debo do everything kind of a play and he yeah, did no. so big big, big time speed play. from Debo I think that's an underrated aspect of his game because of how he's built and he's kind of like this like stocky shorter you know 5'11 guy yeah. but he has legit speed, and I've seen it show up time and time again. I think we just don't view him that like that. I was really excited to see them throw the ball downfield to him because I've been banging on the table, push the ball downfield to Debo. He is a guy that can make those plays, and we've been 
looking to have a receiver that can stretch the field. And it's like Debo can do it if you give him the opportunities because every time they have given the opportunities, I feel like he's come through. And uh, finally, they took that shot, man. That was a big time. You talk about turning point in the game. I think that was a big time throw as well, even though it only resulted into, you know, three points, but just pushing the ball down the field. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, it's never been about people think he can't throw the deep ball. He can throw the deep ball. A lot of it is just about confidence, just throwing it out there, having the confidence in yourself that that's a throw that you're comfortable with making and also having the confidence that the guy you're throwing it to will end up making the play. Maybe he was more comfortable throwing this pass because it's just low pressure, right? It was just like, well, time is kind of clicking down in the half. We don't have any timeouts. I'm just going to air it out and see what happens. But yeah, man, I, hopefully that gives him the confidence to continue to do that because Debo can throw a deep ball. He just doesn't do it well because I think there's a lack of confidence with it. More on Jimmy, and yeah, he missed Ayuk on a deep ball, but I liked the attempt of, of trying to push it down the field and push it outside the numbers, and I think that's really important. you got to keep defenses honest, and it's not like Jimmy doesn't have a good arm. He's got a fine arm. He can throw the ball 60 yards down the field, you know? Uh, maybe he doesn't have the most beautiful rainbow and, and the greatest touch when it comes to throwing the deep ball, but they he can physically throw more deep balls than he has, so um, you got to take a couple of shots every now and then uh more on jimmy garoppolo more on the 49ers offense we're going to give away game balls as we always do post game here on locked on 49ers more on this big big win in chicago coming up do you ever fight for logins or trying to figure out where the stream is going to come from game to game and, and highlight to highlight when you're watching football on a Sunday. Does it sound familiar? One device here that lets you catch the game live another you're streaming your shows and then you've got sports highlights on your phone, neighbors, best friends, log in and all those types of things. Well, I want everybody to know that there's a simpler way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. And it's called Direct TV stream. And I know you know Direct TV and football go hand to hand on an NFL Sunday, and it brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Jimmy Garoppolo's final numbers, Croc. He ended up being 17 of 28 passing, sort of a slower start, but came on uh, 322 yards. Obviously, 83 of those yards coming from Debo Samuel creating, and actually um, Debo Samuel had even more than 83 created yards on that because he caught it behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, a 100 pass rating, 100.6 for Jimmy G. Uh, I think he, he passed the test in this one. He needed to have a good game. Kyle needed to have a good game. Kyle and Jimmy together as a tandem of coach and quarterback needed to have a good day, uh, good game, and they did in this one. Yeah, you know, obviously that was a big time game for Jimmy Garoppolo, almost like a coming out party with 100 family and friends mm -hmm. in the stadium. But this is the type of game that I, I believe Kyle Shanahan was expecting them to have more of. And we've had more weird moments than good moments. But this was something that could potentially get the fans off of his back playing Trey Lance and just go out there and continue to kind of play at this type of level. Yeah, getting everybody off their backs, I think, is why it was so important for Jimmy Garoppolo and and Kyle Shanahan, and it, the two rushing touchdowns. Uh, I talked about it during the game a little bit and tweeted it out. It's like, look, when remember when Kyle Shanahan during the, the pre-draft process talked about 
how his ideal quarterback would be able to run like Lamar Jackson and, and throw like Drew Brees. That was Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you see those two touchdown runs? I mean, <laughs> and kind of showing his little bro there, try to showing Trey Lance how to put your head down and get into the end zone because Lance got stoned when he tried to do that a few weeks ago in his start. So that sort of surprised me. And I loved their ability, even though they completely botched the play that was obviously supposed to go to Debo Samuel on that first touchdown run for Jimmy G. He's like, oh, I know where the hole is. So hold up, Debo. Why don't you just let me take this one? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was uh, awesome to kind of see that and just, you know, just to fight. And we saw that a little bit in preseason. He'll scramble for a touchdown and, and, and that spike. It was good to see it in the actual game and really just for him to make a play, right? Like the play was not there to be had. And that's what I'm looking for from my quarterback. Can you make the play when it's not there to be had? It was a botched play. Debo, I think they're going to do a shovel pass to Debo Samuel. The timing got thrown off and Jimmy said, you know, I'm just going to take it in for myself. So that was good. And then obviously the read option play that where he scampered into the end zone. That was really cool to see as well. Yeah, capped off the big play that the Debo made and, and stole away Debo's touchdown there. Um, Mohamed Sanu, three catches for 59 yards. Brandon Ayuk getting a little bit more involved. Seven targets, which I believe is his season high, right? Seven targets, caught four of those passes for 45 yards. They tried him on the deep ball outside the numbers. So I love seeing that, even though it wasn't complete. I just think it, you know, it adds to your, to your offense because maybe you hit that play, maybe you get a P.I., or... It just stays in the defense minds like, look, we might be able to do something like this. We might hit you deep. So you've got to be aware of those types of things. Um, let's talk running game for the 49ers. Besides the two touchdown runs for Jimmy Garoppolo and his four total yards, how about another 137 on 18 carries for Elijah Mitchell uh, and, and a touchdown there averaging, or I mean, that is, yeah, averaging 7.6 yards per carry in this game. Elijah Mitchell really just... Um, developing into a straight-up dude for Kyle Shanahan. And, and Jermichael Hasty carrying the ball three times. And Trey Sermon, again, nowhere to be found. So this is flat out a one running back. This is not a committee like I expected it to be this year. This is a one <laughs> running back backfield. And that running back is sixth-round rookie Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, he, he did an awesome job. You know, it's crazy, too, as well as he did. And, and people are going to be like, what? I thought he left a lot of yards on the field. You know, there are a lot of people that have talked about his kind of vision or, or, or lack thereof. And I, I felt like there were opportunities to kind of maybe bounce something a little bit outside. And he just kind of ran straight into the line and, and maybe gained two or maybe three yards sometimes. He could have had bigger gains. I'll tell you who did a really good job with his vision. And it was uh, Hubbard on the other side of the ball for Chicago. He didn't have as many yards, but I thought the way he was seeing the field, it, it was really, really good. Elijah Mitchell can kind of watch how he was running consistently and do some of those same things. But when it is there, when it's blocked up and it's there, it's almost like Trey Lance, right? When when Trey Lance dropped back and it's what he's expecting and he does it in rhythm, it looks really good and you get positive results. That's what will happen with Elijah Mitchell. But again, I think he left some yards on the field this game, probably about 30 yards just by not kind of uh, seeing the cut back and, you know, cutting back and bouncing some outside. He has a couple of those runs where he runs directly into the back of his offensive lineman and, and tries to hit it quick. And, and it's it's funny because a lot of fans point it out, but I really have the feeling that that's what Kyle Shanahan loves about Elijah Mitchell. He doesn't waste any time getting downfield. He gets upfield, he tries to hit it, um, and a lot of times he does hit it. And even though he doesn't sometimes, I think Kyle Shanahan wants his running backs to be decisive and just hit it quick and hit it hard, even if sometimes maybe you run into Lincoln Tomlinson's yeah. butt. That's probably what... 
that's probably what Elijah Mitchell would tell me. Like, Croc, he's telling me to just get the ball and go. <laughs> I can't right. wait to and, and kind of bounce that outside, even though you think the cutback lane is there. I'm glad you brought up Khalil Herbert, though, and I think that's a good transition into the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers because Herbert was uh, sort of running wild on the 49ers. It felt like in the first half, and I was actually surprised after the game looking at his stat line, 23 carries for 72 yards on the ground, only a 3.1-yard average. The 49ers really tightened up their run defense, too, in the second half, which was huge and, and, and limited those big runs from Herbert because he was running wild. He was finding cutback lanes. Um, and by the way, Shadow 49ers draft, Elijah Mitchell and Khalil Herbert. Those were the two players I was weighing for the 49ers in the sixth round. I loved both of those guys, and, and that's exactly the type of player you should be targeting late in drafts or guys like Elijah Mitchell and Khalil Herbert and drafting those late round running backs because there's just always and, really good running backs late in drafts and uh, he's compact he's got vision uh, he gets downhill and he's got a little juice to him as well so what you're saying is don't trade up for a certain running back from Ohio State in the third round <clears throat> don't ever do that right yeah you, you probably shouldn't <laughs> even have running backs on your draft board in the first couple of rounds maybe day one and day two unless you have like this guy who's just a difference maker in the passing game uh then on day three you put the running backs back on the draft board you find gems like uh, undrafted guys you've seen this guy in in cleveland um dearness johnson i mean yeah chubb I and hunt go down you're like oh the browns are screwed no they're not dearness johnson undrafted dude off the street uh, played in the can, AAF or yeah. whatever. Uh, the 49ers, I feel like they have done a lot for 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 guys who like to get the you know the undrafted guy or the guy low round whatever and still have him be productive. They've put so many resources into the running back position that did not work out. It started out everybody they remember like the Joe Williams draft pick, but they don't remember 49ers traded a fourth round pick for Cabri Bibbs or whatever in their first draft. <laughs> So yeah. you you botched that and 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 that whole situation and then the next year they went out and paid a bunch of money they got like Coleman and they got Jerick McKinnon uh, McKinnon the and one, stuff yeah. and it was just like but your best running back is Raheem Mostert and you know it's just a, a a lot of weird decisions with the running back position especially for a team that has done so well in either late rounds or undrafted Breda was good for a stint. Uh, Obviously, Raheem Mostert and now Elijah Mitchell is a six-round pick. And Jermichael Hasty. those are your two guys. Hasty was undrafted. But you still choose to, you know, draft a running back in the third round and trade up for him. And it's like, oh, we're not even going to use him at all. I still keep thinking, like, when when are they going to use him? Is it going to be a kind of a thunder and lightning type thing? And they're like, nah, he's not even going to touch the field. It's, yeah, he's, he's, he's deeply and he's, he's leaving an indentation on the bench. That's what's going on with Sermon right now. And yeah, learn from it. Learn from yourselves. Learn from your dad, Kyle Shanahan, like Mike Shanahan with undrafted guys and the Olandis Gary's of the world. You had a whole Mike Anderson. And yeah. So, um, that's that's that when it comes to the running games and I'm a big fan of Khalil Herbert and it was a great job by the 49ers defense to start limiting him in the second half so the 49ers really um, whatever they did after halftime to make adjustments against the run or whatever it didn't look a lot different to me like they changed up schemes but um, they, they fit the run a little bit better and um, and you know who showed up a lot in this game was number 36 Marcel Harris the the new running the new uh, linebacker for the 49ers um, Formerly a strong safety, obviously, but still wears that that safety number on his back. But yeah. he had seven tackles in this game. Uh, he had a sack, a tackle for loss. Uh, he had a nice couple of run stops I saw there. And with Dre Greenlaw already out and then now um, Aziz Alshair out for this game, they needed some depth at linebacker to show up. And I thought Marcel Harris did a pretty good job. 
Yeah, I, you know, I thought he ran well. I actually got a tweet. I, were you tagged in the tweet as well where the guy was like, can we stop with the Marcel Harris experiment at linebacker? He's sorry. He's bouncing off guys. His PFF numbers reflect that. But I like the way he flies around. Obviously, there were a couple missed tackles. You would like to see the 49ers get those guys to the ground. But he made some plays. Again, you know, if you're making plays, I can kind of forget a missed tackle here and there. Had a nice uh, sack, I believe it ended up being. Uh, yep. Just overall, I thought, you know, Marcel Harris flying around. Coverage was solid. I think he, he did a good job. And again, you have to use context here. Marcel Harris is not your starting linebacker. All right. He's not your third linebacker. Okay. You've got Fred Warner. You got Drake Greenlaw. You got Al Shair. All three, you know, two of those three guys down. So then, yeah, now you got to play Flanning and Fouls and you got to play Marcel Harris. So if he isn't playing up to your standards, just understand kind of where he's at on the depth chart. And, and maybe who he, he is. isn't as good as the other guys. That's why he doesn't play over them. Right. And who he is, he's not a 250-pound thumper that's just going to go stone a guard in the hole, you know. So don't expect that out of him and forced into action and, and more action they probably wanted him to see. But I, I thought he did an okay job. Um, K1 Williams had a really big stop, a couple of uh, tackles for loss there. They didn't exploit him in the past game. Like his speed has looked pretty ragged recently this year. And, and um, he's been somewhat of a liability even in coverage when he gets manned up on a guy. And so I, I think that's partially. Go ahead. You got to get Diamondo Lenore in there eventually. But, yeah. but it's tough because you see how well Kwan Williams plays around the line of scrimmage. And he, 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 he's been really good at that throughout his time with the 49ers. But vertically in coverage, we saw guys just really just create massive separation from him. That's where Diamador Lenore could help you once he really gets, uh, you know, takes hold of that position. And you know, Lenore, he wasn't suited up. Uh, I believe someone's expecting a, a baby or, or or there's a pregnancy or something like that. That's why I saw floating around. So he, it was like a you know a family dis- personal decision to not go. I believe that was the reason why. Yeah, a baby on the way for the Lenore family. So congrats there. And Mitch Wisnowski's. Wife Maddie, this according to Matt Mayoko after the game. Mitch Wisnowski's wife Maddie gave birth to their baby girl last night, and Wisnowski came late to the game after that. He arrived in Chicago at 7 a.m. this morning, according to the 49ers, and uh, they gave Wisnowski's wife Maddie a game ball. And uh, he could have just oh, stayed nice. because he didn't have to punt a single time. He didn't have to wow. punt one time. On the day, so that's another feather in the 49ers cap. There was not a lot of punts at all in that game. Only I think two on the on the Chicago side. Yeah, they were both both teams were really moving the ball well, and uh, you would like to see the 49ers get more stops defensively. I thought their game plan. This was the first game plan where I was like, uh, not your best game plan, D'Amico Ryan. It I, I, it was fine if it worked like it did in the second half, and the offense was able to march down and score points, and especially score touchdowns and not just field goals. And in the end, it actually ended up looking smart and working out. But at the beginning of the game, it's like, okay, if you're just going to let them throw hooks all the way down the field and then run the ball on you and score a bunch of points, uh, the Niners aren't going to win this game like this. But it ended up working out. So um, it was a spotty start and a strong finish for those San Francisco 49ers. Croc, we've got to give out some game balls next so let's do that and finish up this post game episode of the rapid react 49ers beating the bears in chicago 33 22 paranormal pumpkin coconut marshmallow rocky road and maybe my new favorite flavor of built bar blueberry muffin you can find all the standard flavors all the standbys and new flavors filtering in all the time at Built.com. And, oh, yeah, 15% off a box of Built Bars with promo code LOCKED15. 
Built Bars are high in protein. They are low in calorie, low in sugar, low in net carbs. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and covered in 100% real, 100% delicious chocolate. You have to try these amazing bars for yourself to believe it. It's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. A lot of protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. Built Bars are soft. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. And, of course, you can get 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface to start the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. And, of course, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the football action this weekend and this entire season, along with the NBA and NHL starting up. And you still got baseball playoffs going on, college football. Get involved in all of it and head over to BetOnline's new updated desktop or mobile websites to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. Not only football, basketball, baseball, hockey, there's boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers, news, sports, at Bet Online available for the 2021 season. Promo code locked on to receive that welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm going to start with the game balls. Uh, there's some very easy ones to give out, I think, in this game. Um, but since we were just talking about the defensive side of the ball, one name we haven't talked about really yet too much is Nick Bosa. And I'm going to give a game ball to Nick Bosa. He had another couple of sacks, three tackles for loss, seemed to get better as the game went on. And uh, you needed that. You needed someone. He didn't quite eat as much as I thought he might in this game, even though the stat line looks great with two sacks and three tackles for loss. But he's in there in the run game. He's in there in the pass game. They moved him around a little bit, and they hinted they would be doing that a couple weeks ago, and we're starting to see that a little bit more. He's obviously the player that offenses are worried about, and they're chipping him, and they're trying to do everything they can to stop Nick Bosa. And with some other players out for the 49ers, it was important that Nick Bosa played well, and he did hitting Justin Fields and you know getting to those rookies and make life difficult. And he did enough, and the 49ers did enough. So uh, of all the defensive players, I think I think he's the one you got to give a game ball to. Yeah, well, you started with the defensive line. I want to start with the offensive line and give all of them a game ball because yeah. the 49ers allowed zero sacks on the day. You know, the crazy thing is when you look at, like, I think it's like run uh, offensive line grades. The 49ers offensive line is grading out really high. A lot of people been complaining about, uh, you know, whatever it is with the offensive line saying that it's leaky or whatever the case is, but their grades don't reflect that. And this game where the 49ers offensive line gave up zero sacks. Also, there is context. There was no uh, Khalil Mack. So, you know, that right. definitely helps you. You know, but, you know, you got to right now, 49ers, I mean, we're talking about four straight losses. So you, you got to take every win you can get. And that definitely was one. They did have Robert Quinn in this game. But, yeah, no Khalil Mack. They only made three tackles behind the line of scrimmage, I think, in this game. Roquan Smith had one late uh, with uh, him and Akeem I was gonna Hicks. Say, I think kinda... two of those were on, like, that last that last drive. Uh, and that, that brought Elijah Mitchell's uh, yards because he was averaging over nine yards a carry. He yeah. had, like, back-to-back 
uh, plays where he got stopped like behind the line of scrimmage that brought his average down a little bit. There was that one play with a, a Hicks broke through and him and, and Roquan got the tackle in the backfield there. And obviously they're selling out against the run at a certain point when the Niners had to leave. You know they were going to be running the football with Elijah Mitchell. But yeah, that, that's a good call with the offensive lineman. And obviously when you're gaining 7.6 yards per carry, that's not on the running back. The offensive line has a big part of that. And zero sacks. So there have been some games where they graded out poorly, some of those offensive linemen, especially on the right side. But rock solid today, I think... Uh, that's a good game ball. Five game balls there for those five starting offensive linemen for the 49ers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think you got to give him a game ball here. Uh, showing toughness, you know, showing grit, getting into the end zone on those runs. Didn't have any touchdown passes, but was, you know, 300 yards passing. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of that from Jimmy Garoppolo recently, so that was fantastic. And and it was really important for him to, like, this is the Jimmy that you needed to see to keep yeah. the Trey Lance talk at bay. And for the 49ers to win games when their defense maybe even let him down a little bit in this game that the offense was able to carry the team. The offense should be playing a lot better to put 33 points on the board and have Jimmy throw for 300 yards and, and have success on the ground, all those things. So I think you got to give a game ball to Jimmy Garoppolo. And would you give a game ball to head coach Kyle Shanahan in this game, Croc? I would say, say so, you know, just, you said, you know, Jimmy, and I thought he took a, you know, a big step in the right direction and same with Kyle Shanahan, just starting to get his groove back. Right. That was a, bit, a lot of the talk. Uh, throughout this week, how he kind of was out of rhythm. But I thought in this game, he he came out, started with three straight throws. It was a little questionable. I was like, oh, where's the run game? But eventually, uh, you know, continued that little rhythm. Uh, slow first half. Second half, I felt like Kyle Shanahan was dialing up, wasn't fired even when they were behind the sticks. So really good job by him. Got to give him a game ball. He got a win, man. Another win on the road, 10 a.m. start in California. Got his guys up. And there were some fans that were questioning if the team wanted to continue to play for Kyle Shanahan, I think this game, the way it ended, shows that they are. And hopefully that means, you know, really good things for them moving forward. How about this? The 49ers won the turnover battle. Mm. I almost want to give a, a game ball to Josh Norman. He did have a penalty too, but the, the 49ers won the turnover battle, won nothing. And I think in the last, I think I saw a stat that over the four game losing streak, the 49ers have lost the turnover battle nine to three combined over mm. those games. And to win this one, and obviously the, 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 the one turnover of the entire game was that last interception from Josh Norman. And uh, the ball did get to the hands of Darnell Mooney, but it bounced off his hands and you made him pay. And I think that was so huge. We talked about that with the 49ers secondary is you've got to make teams pay for trying you deep and they finally did and it's the one that sealed the game yeah and it wasn't as simple as just went off Mooney's hands he had Wilson there challenging them at the catch point good coverage you know, yeah. he had yeah you had uh Norman coming and uh, let's talk about that play a little bit all right because it really was a terrific play by both Wilson and I know a lot of people are like oh uh uh Josh Norman why are you excited man like the ball just went to to your hand it just yeah. bounced right to you <laughs> no man so Josh Norman did a great job of looking for work. First of all, Tavon, Tavon Wilson, you have Mooney screaming up the seam with a two-way go on you. That is tough for a safety where he can go right or left, especially with Mooney hitting at full speed. He cuts across his face. I thought Tavon Wilson did a really good job of getting in position to be able to uh, contest the catch, right? Uh, wasn't a clean contest, but it was good enough. Bounced off of Mooney's hands, and Norman – he could have stayed down and would have never been there, right? But instead, everybody went down. He didn't bite on the, the little hook, and he ended up seeing Mooney, and he darted 
up, took a a tremendous angle to get to the in the position to be able to get the interception. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, just bounce right to you. Great job by Norman. Great job by Wilson. And it was it was one of those throws where Fields could have put it out there a little bit more for Mooney. He did have to hold up for a second. And the 49ers didn't go run into somebody and, and, you know, and commit a pass interference on that play either, which is, which is good. So just because, um, just because the pass isn't perfect, doesn't mean it's easy to knock a pass away. Sometimes that's even more difficult because you end up getting a little bit goofy with your footwork and and where you're at and getting lost and not knowing where the ball is. So they didn't get there early and and hit Mooney and have a PI on that play either. So it was fantastic play to be able to take the ball away. We do have one minute left here before we go. How did you feel the rookie Talanoa Hufanga played? getting the start at strong safety in this one with no Jaquaski tart. Uh, I didn't think he played bad. So I, I, I think that's probably one of the more encouraging things that you could say. I didn't look out there and say, oh man, who he's a liability. Now maybe we watch some things throughout the week and we see areas where maybe he could have improved. There were a lot of underneath uh, passes that were caught, but for the most part, I didn't see anything that was like, oh man, Hufunga, he can't, he can't play in the NFL. And I thought, his speed might have been an issue, especially with him at safety. We we're talking about is he potentially going to be a linebacker? But overall, I was encouraged with what I saw from him. Good stuff. We'll have a ton more to get into with this game and looking ahead at the 49ers going into week nine as well. If you have any questions from this game or any others surrounding your San Francisco 49ers, hit Croc and I up for tomorrow. We will answer some Twitter questions. We'll have another Winky Wednesday. We'll have another crossover pod as we get ready for week nine as well. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker. Niners back in the win column. Always nice to do a, a rapid react pod after a victory. Three and four now. The 49ers trying to salvage this season, get back in the playoff race in the NFC, and we've got you covered for it every day right here. Locked on 49ers. Feels great, baby. Feels great, baby.